Welcome to the fourth episode of the Holopod podcast by Searchability. After long anticipation, we are back. Uh, demand for the podcast has been absolutely enormous since we last aired. I think at least four different people have asked when we're going to be returning. And here we are, back in this very room. I think it's fair to say that a lot's changed since we recorded the last pod. Both myself and Soph. Soph helps run the pod with Leah. I've become parents and very proud ones at that. Uh, speaking for myself personally, the pod had to take a little bit, bit, bit of a back step and uh, the baby had to take precedence for a short period of time, but we're definitely back stronger. I haven't stole that off the Peter Cross podcast. Sorry, Pete. Um, filling a few blanks, on August the 6th this year, my partner Gabby gave birth to our beautiful baby daughter, Sienna, who... For the last 12 weeks, has been an absolute dream. I can't really believe I look, if I'm honest with you. She, she sleeps, she feeds, she's developing a lovely little personality. Uh, I, think, I think we've been pretty lucky, to be fair. Um, it's been a very humbling experience, but one that I very much enjoyed. So long may it continue. Okay, so on to the pod. Today, we are joined by Mike Cullen. Afternoon, Mike. Afternoon, Ollie. How are you, mate? You okay? Good. How are you? Good, good. Yeah. Leah, press the breaking sound bite. Oh, we, we, we don't have one. Okay. Brilliant. Must have blew the budget on the uh, on the podcast space. Uh, breaking news. Mike is joining us on our first client-specific podcast. And seeing how this goes, it, it could potentially also be the last. Um, Mike's the leading recruitment. I'm just going to read this out, actually, Mike, because it's quite a mouthful. You are the leading recruitment and talent manager for, in inverted commas, automotive retail tech giant Ivendi. Of course, we all know who who Ivendi are. Huge players in your in your specific market, mate. Um, Ivendi are based in both Colwyn Bay and the northwest, really, as well. and the northwest. We'll quite of ways of working and stuff, I'm sure. But yeah, nice, quite quite the eclectic mix. Uh, and Mike has worked both agency and in-house when it comes to recruitment. So in theory, you should be very well placed to tell us the trials and tribulations of both sides of the market and the points in which both sides of that market can come in. Um, Full transparency for the listeners out there, Mike and I do actually go way back. Uh, It did help get, get him on board, although I think you've done one of these sorts of things before, haven't you, Mike? Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Much appreciated. Um, for those watching on YouTube, Mike did have hair when, when I first met him, albeit not that much. I don't know if that says more about me or you. Uh, well, yeah, probably more about me, mate. Probably more about me. Um, but I actually had the privilege of joining Mike last year on his wedding day in, in Portugal. He's punching. Uh, <laughs> as well as his stag doing Lisbon, which was probably a bigger eye-opener than becoming a father. It was, a, it, was, it was a good night, though. Uh, Mike and I go way back, as I've said, and um, for those, again, watching, watching on YouTube, albeit despite his strong, masculine appearance, probably looks more like a rugby player, he's actually a half-decent footballer, thus inheriting the name Big Nimble, as he's commonly known. Uh, right then, Mike, not enough about uh, what we're going to do today. We would like to, obviously, go over bit more information about yourself, how you've ended up being where you are today. Obviously talk about Ivendi in detail and give you the chance to plug those guys. Um, but we'd like to start, start things off a little bit more lighthearted than that. We have a, a Break the Ice segment of the pod that we do each month called The Good, The Bad and The Awkward. I did give you a little bit of a heads up on this. So I'm sure you've got a lot of stories that you could potentially share. Well, some some you probably can't to be, <laughs> to, to be fair, but um, yeah, we what we asked you to well, hopefully share us a story that that covers both good, bad, and the awkward. But before we do that, I'm going to start with an awkward question: Why wasn't I best man at your wedding? <laughs> <laughs> Joe's more reliable. Yeah, well, I, I, can't, I can't deny it. I can't deny it. Too uh, popular. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, mate. So um, yeah, go on. Let's let's hear a story from you then, mate, to kick us off. Yeah. I have had a little bit of a think about this one. Um, there's a couple that we can talk about in the pub maybe later. Um, but I think the, <laughs> the, the it's definitely an awkward one. Um, Excellent. And kind of making that transition from agency into in-house is pretty daunting anyway. It's my first kind of step into the internal world. Want to make a really, really good impression. 
Um, still learning about the business, still obviously, you know, finding out kind of ways of working and all that kind of stuff. Is this at Ivendi? This is at Ivendi. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's probably about two months in, so still kind of a relative newbie. Um, and Not being yourself then. Yes, exactly. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was a bit smarter then and yeah. still had her. So. Um, but yeah, so basically it was about, yeah, two months in, I was on the phone to a candidate and I'd just seen the whole office move from one side to the other and everyone was looking out the window. So I was like, odd, but I'm trying to, you know, talk about Ivendi and what we're doing and obviously process what the candidate's talking to me about. And I looked outside in the car park and I could, I could tell that something was off, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. But everyone's like looking over at me and I'm like, what, what's going on here? But I was trying <laughs> to process it as I was talking and be professional, what kind of stuff. And then it was only when I'd got off the call that I'd actually then realised that my handbrake had failed and had no. rolled, rolled back and smashed into the VP of sales brand new Beamer. Wow, so, impressive. Yeah, you know me, I don't buy yeah. very expensive cars myself, so it wasn't really <laughs> much of an issue for me. I think it probably fixed a few things. But actually, yeah, he wasn't best pleased. He took it really, really well, to be fair, but I think it was probably because I was so new. But um, yeah, so that's that was an awkward one when obviously working with insurance and all that kind of stuff to to get his <laughs> lovely new Beamer fixed because my um, yeah, Ford Focus just rolled into the back of it. Brilliant. Like that is a very, very awkward story. It's bad and awkward. Any it's not good. Any good come from it at all? <laughs> no. no. I'd love to I'd love to say well, probably, <laughs> probably got on better with the VP of sales because we had to exchange so many details afterwards. But um other than that, no good come from that. <laughs> but you're still there. Yeah. Every every cloud. Exactly, and he's forgiving yeah. you. And yeah, and to be fair, well, the, the good thing was, I suppose, one good thing um in our winter conference that we had over in Lisbon later on in that year, we do can I give a spoof award ceremony uh more of a, a comical funny thing so i got the uh did i put my handbrake on award um which i've yeah i've got on my uh on my mantelpiece proud of place to all of my other awards that i don't own um <laughs> so yeah so that was probably the good the good part of that story right, really. well congratulations i think i think paid yeah. it off now so it's fine oh happy days <laughs> <laughs> been underpaid for the last 18 months Basically. but we've got there in the yeah, end exactly awesome that, that cracking story you're full of them. Uh, all right, mate. So let's, um, without going into too much detail, because I know we've got a lot to get through, let's have a quick run through uh, your your time in, in recruitment, I guess, you know, the, yeah. the transition from agency to where you are now. Yeah, yeah. So it all started in year 10. I went to the careers office and said, I, w- I would love to be a recruitment consultant. No, I'm joking. No, said no, nobody ever. No one did yeah. that. No <laughs> one does that. So yeah, it kind of fell into it. Like like a lot of people, I think my story went into the uh, Army Reserves I was the worst mechanic in the British Army. I think even they'll still tell you that now. I think I still hold that title. Should not be working on cars, as you've yeah. obviously heard from the uh, the handbrake. Um, so that's probably not... You did actually help me change a tyre once, if I, I remember did. correctly. I did, actually. You're yeah. better that, than me. That is all I can do. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And window wipers. And that probably says more about me again than it, than it does you. So, yeah. So I think, yeah. So I was. Um, I did a stint in the Army recruitment team. I was a kind of a full-time reservist on different on uh, year-long kind of contracts that kept renewing. Um, and then, yeah, so kind of found a little bit of a call in there. I was due to go and do something completely different in the security space and then got contacted by uh, a chap who was running like an X-Forces uh, recruitment company, transitioning them into recruitment, so like rec-to-rec model yep. with an academy and stuff sitting in between. So I was doing that for yeah, about a year or so um, and really wanted to kind of see the way things were going from a digital perspective and stuff like that. So I really kind of wanted to move into really kind of finding out more about roles. I felt like it was very recruitment focused by the nature of it really. So yeah. um kind of wanted to broaden my horizons with that. So I went into kind of the, the digital recruitment space, really, really enjoyed my time doing that. And then kind of wanted to scratch the itch and see kind of what the, on the flip side, what's that kind of full process look like for, for candidates really. Cause obviously you get a really good snapshot right at the start, um, you know, kind of, trying to develop teams and make them better and seeing them develop and grow and stuff like that was probably an area that I wanted to explore further, which is kind of a reason for, for going in-house, really, at Ivendi. So I haven't looked back since. Okay, cool. And how long have you been in recruitment in total? Probably about eight years so, or so. so. It's a it's a decent stint, isn't it? Mm. It is a decent stint. Okay, well, that obviously, no, you, you've obviously seen both sides of, of, of the market, so to speak. And we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit, a little bit more later yeah. and the trials and tribulations, the good and the bad, where you particularly enjoyed agency versus what you now really enjoy in, in house. And I know maybe even talk about 
the point in which you know people in your position actually introduce agencies like searchability for example but like i say we'll touch on that later yeah. um that does lead us nicely onto onto i've ended and obviously that that's what's why you're here today you know we know all about you guys again full transparency we, we do we do work with i've ended at, at searchability with one of your preferred suppliers um which you know we, we really appreciate a massive company but yeah i'd be keen to just you know for the, the listeners out there just to get a, a brief understanding of of what i've actually do yeah. before we maybe talk about you know how you guys manage your interview process etc yeah so quick brief overview on on ivendi and what you guys are all about yeah so yeah i think the the purpose and why we were kind of set up was always to make the buying process easier so make uh, make buying easier is the the purpose of the of, of the business and we started off way back when when we were kind of a you know a handful of people um Rich and James both kind of set up the business and um, started off with more in the car fi- uh, finance calculator space. Um, but now we've kind of grown it to kind of an end-to-end what we call vehicle retailing solution. Um, so it's a kind of a SaaS-based platform yeah. um, that dealers um, could and should um, plug into their kind of you know internal sales processes within their kind of retail space. So you can use it as part of your, when you're sitting down and having a nice coffee and talking about different vehicles and stuff like that. Um, but also it allows consumers to do more online and I think that's been really relevant and um, in trend over the over kind of since COVID really. Um, but that was always the um, you know the trajectory that the, the business was going on um, and that the ambition is on a global scale and we've kind of started to internationalise uh, first off in Germany and there's other countries that we're looking at at the minute. So it's really taken that kind of um, yeah, vehicle retail and solution international um and starting off with Europe and then kind of looking yeah. at the field from there, really. So, yeah, just makes the car buying process from research right through to decision uh, and payout. It just simplifies that whole process for everyone involved. And that's obviously end consumers, car retailers, media companies, portals, and lenders. So that could be brokers or banks. Okay, cool. And I've, it's not a, it's, it's not an area of the, uh, What's the right expression? It's it's not something that I'm massively clued upon, but I've obviously seen I've I've ended go from strength to strength. I know you guys have had a exponential period of growth in the past sort of couple of years, yeah. uh, and it, you know, it's been really impressive. So much so that I know you you historically were just based in in North Wales in Colwyn Bay. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, when they very very first started out, they were based in kind of Abergelly in North Wales, which then kind of grew out into Abergelly, but also we had an office over in Salford Keys. Uh, area because the, the ambitions of the company would be really really difficult to um, scale a, a tech team just yeah. in North Wales obviously we're quite limited there really so um, yeah decided to go into that market and now we are kind of at the point where uh, we've still got our HQ uh, which is now based uh, in Colwyn Bay just opposite areas park for anyone who's North Wales based um, and then we've got kind of a remote first uh, kind of product and tech team really um, and they meet up once a month which is kind of all expenses paid over in Manchester. And then there's budget for teams to be able to meet up kind of in between that then for any kind of team days and stuff. So there's one of the teams who, who are on it in it, like a team day now at the minute. So yeah, um, yeah, still see a lot of value in that collaboration piece. And I think it's still quite difficult to kind of articulate that in a really succinct way because remote means different things to different people. And we're yeah. saying remote first, which for some could be once a week or, or wherever that may look like. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at now with it really which gives us really good exposure to lots of different candidates yeah so it allows you to cast the net pretty wide albeit culture is still a huge part of what you guys are trying to achieve yeah definitely and i think those collaborative sessions and kind of socials and meetups and all that kind of stuff i think that's what really kind of brings the team together over and above doing a good job in work effectively so as i say as a business we still kind of value that um and i think that that is a most it doesn't fit everyone, but I think the vast majority of people that kind of really resonates with them. Um, so I think yeah, we've got a really good balance of of that so far. Nah, cool, love it. And it, you know, you you speak, um, you know, you, you're clearly enjoying yourself there. You know, you speak quite proudly about the journey you've been on, and you, you sell the organisation really well. So you know, class mate, love it. Um, okay, right. So you know, you obviously you know, your your main task, I'm imagining, as recruitment and talent talent manager. Is to obviously you know put bums on seats to a certain degree. I know you're tech specific, and it's no it's no easy feat by any stretch. But let's talk recruitment process firstly. At Ivendi, you know, 
that especially since the pandemic, you know, the, the the playing field's very much being leveled out for for so many reasons. Yeah. We obviously saw a huge boom this this year. It's certainly been our busiest year in recruiting by by quite some distance. We yeah. we, we broke records, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um but the demand's just been been so high. Now you talked about the the, the culture being very important to Ivenda. You've you've talked about being remote first and in inverted commas. We know it's all cool buzzwords that I know candidates out there will, will want to hear. But you know, the process that that um clients utilize, I guess, could can differ pretty widely i think it's fair to say so firstly what what was your recruitment process has it changed since the pandemic and going remote first and, and where are you guys at now yeah so i think i suppose pre-pandemic and because we had that space over in kind of sulfur keys and stuff it was a bit more face-to-face -face. and yeah. because they were generally coming into an office we were always had kind of flexible work in any way but typically you'd be in the office kind of a two or three days a week anyway so it's nice to come and see the kind of environment that you're going to be traveling to more regularly yeah um so i think that you know face to face was a you know a big part of it there um i think you know the way it's changed obviously a lot of it's gone and especially on the product and tech side um kind of remote interviews yeah. um and yeah i think we've just had to kind of maybe change the questions and be a bit more thoughtful <laughs> with how kind of how we interview really to make sure that we are getting the right kind of uh, people there because it's still very different when you're speaking to someone in a spare bedroom or, or wherever it may be, rather than <laughs> yeah. actually you know, kind of face-to-face, -face really. Um, so actually, yeah, I think it's it's definitely changed it up. We still keep quite a light process. Um, and yeah, I think that, again, that really, really works for us. I think just having kind of uh, a few people who can interview quite you know strongly and understand what we're trying to achieve um, really, really <coughs> helps with that. So yeah, just keep it nice and light, two-stage interview process. One's a bit more about ways of working, some of the, I suppose, more more, more kind of fluffy stuff and the, um, you know, working with teams and that kind of stuff and aspirations and things. And then the second one will introduce some more technical people to yeah. give us a bit of a walkthrough of some example code or talk us through the kind of scenarios and, and kind of have it a lot, a lot more technical focused, really, to make sure, obviously, that the, uh, the right kind of skills and abilities are there, really. Okay, cool. And do you guys integrate any sort of... Know, tech test, paired programming exercise as, as part of that process? Uh, historically, no. Um, but I think it is something that we are up for kind of looking at and trialling. Yeah. It's it's a fine balance to try and get, um, you know, candidates that are in high demand to want to do your stuff. So I think, you know, one way that we might kind of get around that and that we've started uh, looking to implement is if they've got any example bits of code, obviously that's not covered by NDAs or anything like that, nothing that's... Um, Know, kind of too contentious or if they've got another tech test that they want to kind of walk us through or something like that um just to give us some kind of eyes on really um we might change that in the future to be fair but we try and keep it as light as we can whilst maintaining kind of a, a, a decent standard for the for candidates really okay cool all sounds very workable and without you know getting getting too deep into this how, how's it going good i think so yes yeah, so we brought on 36 people this year uh nice. kind of so far and that's a mix of um, kind of product and tech, remote first candidates and candidates over over in HQ and new starters there. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, probably we, we've kind of got all of the people that we that we wanted to and that we kind of planned to. Um, I think the main thing was, yeah, maybe some time for scales will push back really. Um, so we probably didn't find them exactly when we wanted them, but very rarely happens in recruitment anyway, you know, across that number of roles. Um, so I think, yeah, we've just had to kind of be understand a little bit about the market and how it is, but we've not necessarily kind of knee-jerk, kind of, you know, and ch totally changed yeah. our stance on it. I think we've kind of stayed true to, to what you we are. are and Yeah, exactly, and, and, and just kind of kept a, a fairly consistent process throughout, really. All right, happy days. No, it all sounds like it's going, I mean, you're not, not going to sit here and say it's going terribly, for obvious reasons, but it, it sounds like it's, it's working really well for you guys, and you reacted to those changes in the market, which is always a good sign. Um, just very quickly touch on the... Um, the fact that you know, obviously, I've only derived from from North Wales. Was was the Manchester move pretty much purely just to attract you know, a, a higher caliber of, of tech candidate, or you know, was was there more than just that? So I think so. What happened was there was kind of like a bit of a um, uh, the lease was due up during kind of COVID. Yeah. Um, so it was when everything you know when you went out for your second walk and you you know you thought that you know someone was gonna. <laughs> I'm going to tell well. you, you're not going to, I obviously never did, but, you know, I've seen a couple of neighbours do it, so uh, <laughs> I 
obviously from the uh, from the one 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 number. But um, so yeah, so I think you know for us we, that was a kind of a you know a strange time for us, and, yeah. and because we always worked flexibly before that anyway, it was literally just a case of people taking the MacBooks or, or Windows uh, machines. A monitor and, and anything else and just kind of going home and they were well set up for that anyway to be fair yeah um so i think yeah we we, we haven't really seen a um you know a mass rush back to the office necessarily i think people have been quite you know receptive to it um and i think yeah we haven't seen any kind of uh, major change from a, a delivery point of view either really so there's no point in kind of forcing people back to the office um for no apparent reason, but yeah, it was kind of, it was just a situational thing, I think, and I think we were quite lucky, really, because obviously a lot of people were paying for really nice space and, you know, kind of bigger space that they wanted to meet some, you know, growth plants and stuff like that, but actually, it wasn't really getting used, was it? So No. So, yeah, yeah, it was just a, a timing thing, and it and it kind of works for us. Happy days. Okay, cool. So, let's, I, I've got loads of questions for you about you know the the, the difference between uh, agency and in-house etc. But we'll we'll touch on that shortly. Let's just focus on the um, on the market this year for now. You know we've talked about a lot of the changes that we've had to adapt to during, during that period of time, both both in-house and, and agency. And you know this this year, I know I've touched on this on quite a few of the pods. This, this year has been a little bit crazy. It's been it's been manic. Salaries have increased. There's obviously a huge huge push towards towards remote work. Um, during the pandemic and yeah. from our perspective you know, it sounds like you guys are managing that pretty well but from our perspective we are starting to see a lot of our clients now at least bring it back more towards that that hybrid model yeah. when if you've, if you've got that flexibility to work still largely remote I'm sure that that works to your advantage but you know I, I've NDR they are, they are a big player in the market but once that level playing field was leveled out you're almost in competition with I guess everyone there's some of the biggest tech giants in the world you've talked about how you've amended your interview process which is working for you you've got that hybrid model which is working for you you've got Manchester and Colwyn Bay which you know gives you alternative solutions but what what have you guys I guess no what what's what sets you apart what what separates Ivendi I don't want to put you on the spot too much but you know why would a candidate you know chance to plug Ivendi I guess why would a candidate choose an Ivendi over anybody else, I guess. What do you guys do slightly differently? Yeah, I think, I suppose the the business kind of, you know, purpose and how the business is run is a big part of it, I think. And we're kind of, we still are in that, in this kind of space where we've got good things from a startup, uh, you yep. know, the startup world and some of the kind of agility and um, stuff like that. And we're taking on some of the, um, you know, good things from more enterprise level organisations. So I think, there's that kind of unique mix and that's why I really, um, really like working about Ivendi is about being able to make an impact because you're not kind of a cog in a wheel and, you know, uh, you know, employee number 5,000 and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, like get your hands dirty and stuck into projects and exactly, have a yeah. say on the way those projects are led. Definitely, yeah. But also you've got the backing and support so you're not like going through rounds of funding that are really, you know, you're unsure about if you're going to get, you know, VC or PE money and all that kind of stuff. So I think that you know, having that kind of stability and security um, of, you know, what you would get in a, in a larger, more kind of enterprise organisation. So I think that balance of between the two really, really kind of attracts candidates. Um, I think, you know, the yeah, the ability to make an impact is, is, is one for sure. Um, we also do kind of different things, like we've invested a lot in our uh, kind of leadership and management programme, understanding that, you know, uh, engineers, but also, you know, any other discipline, really. A lot of people are promoted because they're really really good at what they do but actually they're looking at that kind of leadership and management skill set can be quite a different thing and we kind of recognize that um, and put a lot of time and investment into that really so I think that kind of helps especially for the more senior roles and the people that we've been speaking to in kind of lead senior roles and stuff like that you know that's something that they've not necessarily seen anywhere and I think uh, that's kind of you know the people focus that the that the business has got really so that's kind of a another kind of initiative really that we've that probably kind of you know, sets us apart ultimately, and then elements of growth as well, and internationalisation, and interesting kind of you know tech challenges and tech problems. I think is is a key one. Um, so yeah, so I think I just just a real mix of all that yeah. kind of stuff. There's probably not one uh, defining element of it. It's just it's a just very of aware of the market and, and what's going around you ultimately. Yeah. Okay. No. Cool. So did you? 
Did you find that, I know, I know we, we found it from an agency perspective, you know, it did become a point, and albeit it, it certainly simmered down again now, there, there was a point where it's almost like whoever's got the most money wins. You know, yeah. we had we had clients of ours throwing up you know, ridiculous fees and they were offering us higher percentages, which was, it doesn't happen very often, yeah, as, yeah, yeah. As, as, as we all know. Yeah, yeah. And it did become a fastest finger first game almost to a point. Everyone was yeah. desperate for candidates, such was the skill shortage, and we're yeah. paying through the roof for these candidates. So did you guys find that, A, you had to pay more to secure good, strong talent than you did before? And B, did you lose a lot of people because of the melee that was going around you? Yeah, so I suppose to split the questions up, really, um, I think that obviously there were people who were you know, looking at their personal circumstances and you know, maybe kind of wanted that, you know, you know what? What maybe an inflated salary, but if they can get it, then great. Um, but yes, but not not as many as you think for the kind of reasons that I mentioned before. Really, yeah. I think we've got a really compelling proposition, and it's kind of you know the people kind of make it, and you know a lot, you know some of the people who left still like this is the best place I've ever worked. Yeah. Um. But yeah, great obviously you know the financials kind of do play a part in that. Uh, in answer your question about you know we wanted to make sure that we were competitive. Yeah. Um. You know that we weren't totally off the mark with where the market was at but actually it you know we didn't really kind of ramp our salaries up and stuff like that you know thinking that it's not really fair to to current staff and stuff like that yeah. just to pay a you know a premium given market expectations and stuff at the time so actually and i think you know going back to some of the roles took longer to fill it was because actually we were still quite pragmatic with it we understood our kind of you know value proposition what we were looking for if, you know, people were interested in that kind of, you know, making an impact, growing expansion, internationalization, they wanted to do really, really good work, then that's what we would kind of pitch it on over than salary because, you know, you get, um, you very rarely you're going to be, you know, the absolute kind of top payer. Um, and then you've got, you know, the dynamic of agencies, you've got the dynamic of London markets coming over, you've got the US markets <coughs> and other companies going full remote. So to try and compete on a purely financial level, yeah. is really, really tough. Um, Nigh on impossible. There's always someone out there willing always, to pay more, isn't there? Exactly, yeah. So I think uh, we we took the the view that, you know, as long as we'll pay people kind of you know, fairly for what they do, we'll make sure that they've got, a, you know, uh, a, a solid and fair benefits package. We'll make sure that the work is interesting, exciting work to be able to do. Um, and that's kind of, yeah, that was our take on it really, but it did have an impact on how, when we brought people in rather than could we bring people in, if that makes sense. Yeah, despite the the movements in the market, ultimately you guys wanted people who absolutely wanted to work for you and not just someone who's after a little bit more money, in, in short. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. No happy days, that, that all makes sense. Okay, cool. So... There's, there's so much that we can that we can touch on here, but I, I know you guys also used, um, used our scalability model for a, bit, a little bit because you were... You, know, you were looking to expand quite quickly. You know, scalability is our is our subscription model for those that are interested. It just means that you know we we commit to a number, so to speak. And you, know, you, you I guess where I'm trying to go with this is you were looking to. The only reason that you entertained that idea was because you were looking to grow quite quickly at speed. Yeah, that model was obviously something that that you guys considered for for a period of time yeah. you know how how were the were the results of that not necessarily from a searchability perspective but did you manage to you know, get get the the right amount of bums on seats and are you now at a place where you guys are pretty happy and wrapping things up to the new year or you know what what's the current situation yeah so i think we um just to obviously reiterate from before we definitely yeah, i feel like we've got the right the right people in the right places so yeah. and that's definitely helped and you know a, a big part of that that project was really really good to get eyes on what our kind of employer value proposition was um because i think we each articulated it similarly but in different ways so i yes. think really getting that external validation of here's what people are t you know here's what your employees are talking about here's what they you know, love doing and here's the common themes and stuff that run through was really, really valuable for us to understand, you know, where is our kind of line in the sand and, yeah. you know, um, kind of backing ourselves to go up against other big players who are, you know, getting it tied into the, you know, the, the salary element and stuff like that, really, to be fair. So, yeah, to answer your question, I think we, we definitely have got the right people in there and I think it's it's key, you know, when you are kind of working with um, partners and stuff like that to to give that, that kind of time um, and, you know, 
kind of Rich got involved in that, who's our yeah. kind of COO and, and, and co-founder and, you know, really kind of having a bit more weight behind it. The business has to be on board with it, not just me yeah. um, or not just the, the you know, talent acquisition internal recruitment team. So I think having that business buying really helps and that's definitely what we've got at Ivendi. Cool. Okay. And for, you know, just quickly for perspective candidates that could be listening in theory, how's, you know, what's, what are the growth plans for, for 2023? Yeah, so we're still kind of firming them up, to be honest with you. We're still yeah. kind of doing some kind of contingency plans and stuff. There's nothing necessarily set in stone, but I would say kind of watch this space. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of conversations happening that could really, really ramp up um, our kind of growth tra- trajectory to make sure that we can deliver on, you know, kind of uh, conversations that we're having with companies, both in the UK, but also internationally. So, yeah, there's nothing... F- firmed up as of yet but those kind of conversations are, are, are happening at the minute really exciting time watch watch this space i know we um we had a look just um touching on this very very quickly in the car and i don't know how um how much you can go into this or how invasive i want to be but obviously cost of living crisis you know that the, the whole world is is talking about it have you guys considered what's what's around the corner and how that's going to impact your existing staff yeah so i think Again, kind of conversations are ongoing, so there's nothing kind of firmed up. It's a lot of companies are going to kind of struggle to find that kind of element of fairness, um, but also kind of, you know, remunerate people and, you know, cost of living crisis, you know, not everyone's going to be able to pay 10% increases to everyone and all that kind of stuff. So for a lot of people, it's going to feel like, and most companies probably won't be able to. Yeah. So I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's going of to be- Of course, we're in the same boat. Be, in, oh yeah. yeah, of course, in the same boat. So I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's um, it's it's going to be a hard pill to swallow because it's probably one of the few times that, you know, salary increases probably won't match inflation. Um, certainly in our kind of working career, uh, lifetime, obviously. So I think um, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be, it's tough for everyone. Um but yeah, we're we're looking at kind of the best way to kind of go about that and navigate that at the minute. And there's again a couple of different options. I know I'm sounding a bit like a, a politician or something like that, but um, no, it's yeah, all the, relevant the, though, isn't it? Yeah, there's genuinely it yeah, it's 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 never been more at the forefront of people's conversation and stuff like that. You hear about it as you you know walking through town and stuff like that. You know, it's 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 at the forefront of what people are talking about, and it's constantly in the news and in the media and stuff like that. It's just about kind of navigating well, what's you know, what, what can the company do? Um, and then kind of working in the confines of that to work out an element of kind of you know, fairness, really. Yeah. And, you know, on, on, on kind of both sides, it's being able to, you know, recognise and reward those who are doing really well, um, but make sure that there's a there's an element of fairness. And loads of companies have kind of marked it up differently. You know, you've got people who've kind of done one-off bonuses and stuff like that. You know, there's kind of different percentage levels have increased. There's some have weighted it more towards... Um, kind of lower salaried roles and stuff like that, and I don't think there's a there's probably not a one size fits all approach Absolutely to it. Absolutely not, no. So it's just finding out well what does that look like across our business, and we've got you know kind of salespeople, marketing people in kind of support and finance, but also software engineers and stuff like that. So we've got a real wide mix and and, and demographic of, of people. So makes sense. And I, and I also you know I guess that this is where the the remote first proposition actually helps you guys as well. You know you. Saves, saves, you know, travel expenses, et cetera, et cetera, as well as times get a little bit harder. Now, okay, cool. That's that's a really good overview, Mike. Very insightful. Now, you speak very proudly of Ivendi and you know, the, the guys over at Ivendi obviously seen a lot to uh, talk after their staff, so no one may continue. Okay, on, on to the um, a bit more juicy stuff. I won't, I won't keep you long here, but I'm always keen to uh, to hear people's views on agency which is which is the only side i know yeah. versus internal you know you know in my humble opinion there's, there's absolutely room room for both of, of course um now there used to be an age-old argument that you know maybe internal was 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 easier perhaps which i imagine you're going to tell me isn't the case uh, but i'll just be keen to understand now your, your honest thoughts obviously you love i've ended that goes without saying for anyone who's listening um but mike you know on, you know out to out to the floor yeah. you know Give us a little bit of an overview of the trials and tribulations of, of agency versus in-house and, and where you see the, the peaks and troughs. Yeah. So I think, in answer to your question, if you would have asked me four years ago, yeah, I'd have said 100% agency is <laughs> Yeah. Um, now get... you're 47, you change your mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think... I went to Mike's 30th birthday. <laughs> not long ago. Yeah, it wasn't 17 years ago. <laughs> um, no, so I think... I have kind of converted, obviously, slightly, but I, I see 
there's difficulties on both sides and challenges on both sides, but I think they are quite different challenges. Um, yeah. I think the difficulty on agency side is really to understand and know and get under the skin of all of the, the clients that you're working with, being able to pitch them in the right way and understand it. You know, it's difficult to do across a business, never mind across one business. I mean, yeah. internally, never mind you know, if you're working with a top five or, or 10 clients and really kind of pitch that the right way. Um, so I think that's really, you know, in context switching between all of the different types of companies and types of people and, you know, uh, types of skill sets and things that you're looking for. That's super tough. And obviously there's a there's a financial figure on your head that kind of looms over you um, sometimes mm -hmm. for better, sometimes for worse, depending yeah. on the month. Um, so that that's definitely tough with it, being really, really target driven. Um, I think, you know, on the on the flip side, you know, some of the kind of almost the, the, the good bits or the slightly easier bits is it's only a, a short snapshot of that candidate journey and that candidate life cycle. Yes. So if you're looking at, you know, looking to figure out the yeah, air it might only be you know 10 or 15 percent you know really just the start of that journey all the other stuff that comes with it um you know like kind of you know making sure that the, the work is meaningful that they're doing the right they're working on the right thing working with the teams to make sure that they've got the right people in the right places and looking at you know any kind of restructures that you know uh, are being uh, spoken about and making sure that they're kind of you know happy and productive in, in their work and stuff like that that's a huge huge part of it um so yeah so i think to answer your question, there's different challenges in different areas. I wouldn't, I genuinely wouldn't say one is easier than the other. Um, yeah. I think if if you're quite sales led and sales driven and that kind of stuff, it might be more difficult in an internal perspective because things are a bit, um, I suppose, less defined and less kind of like because you don't necessarily have a financial figure and stuff, and you've got to work things out and plan a bit more into the future. Um, so it's a probably slightly more proactive rather than a reactive role, depending on what's kind of happening at that time um but yeah i think both are but both are tough but and both have been tough but actually never never better at the same time because it yes because it is you know obviously in unemployment's at an all-time um kind of low and stuff like that so you know actually there's an abundance of opportunity there and that kind of i think a lot of companies have switched from kind of you know doing the kind of the business development emails trying to get all the the big names and the clients on board and tendering for PSLs and all that kind of stuff really and just really focused on candidates because I think candidates has been key um, throughout the past kind of 12 certainly 18 months if not a bit longer really so I think for those who've managed the candidates and managed to get hold of them and come up with innovative and interesting ways to be able to do that uh, or had a really compelling story to talk about then they've won and I would assume that agencies if they know the clients really well they can they can pitch that in such a way where they can hopefully uh, attract the right kind of people and that's kind of what yeah no absolutely that that really makes sense I think you know historically the the age-old easy argument for people who are in my position was well you know you earn more money do an agency mm. obviously there's a big caveat to that you have to you have to get it right it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the reality but I really feel like in in recent years there's been a huge demand and an interest for for really strong in-house recruiters. I think their salaries have actually gone through the roof on 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 in-house recruitment, yeah. as, as well as the yeah, for for developers, DevOps engineers, etc. I think I think that that role, not that it shouldn't have been before, but it's now a really really respected role. Where you know somebody like yourself who has who has previous experience, now not only will you go to market and utilize your previous experience in recruitment, but then you'll also deal with the recruiters on the other side and you get it because you've, you've been there. Yeah. You understand that, you know, we, we've all had clients in the past that have been difficult and we used to have frustrations because maybe they didn't necessarily understand why we were calling or part of the reason being that we had to. Yeah. But I think having been through that yourself previously, you're so, no, you just you just understand. You know, you you get it. You understand both sides of the fence, and I think that'll put you in in really good stead. Yeah, no, definitely. I think when you look at a lot of kind of like business books and things that are published about companies, there's so much out there that is about kind of culture, and it generally boils down. I think Stephen Bartlett was talking about it as well. You know, around you know getting really good people into the business is kind of one of the biggest kind of definitions for success really do you know what I mean you mm. can have a really compelling sure. business proposition you could be really interesting you could be really you know ed, you know you can have competitive advantage and stuff like that but if you haven't got the people to to deliver on that that's a key part key part of it and that's why 
CEOs, MDs, you know, senior leaders within the business have, I think, now really kind of shifted the focus on, you know, maybe kind of, you know, hiring better into those roles to then have a knock-on impact into, you know, into the wider teams, really, because that's what, that's what it's all about. So I think that's probably driven it somewhat. You've got the kind of lots of cultural books about sure. Netflix and Google and all that kind of stuff and, the, you know, the time and focus and emphasis that they have on the talent acquisition process, bringing in the right people and that kind of stuff. You know, you just probably never used to see it back in the day. It was very much a, yeah, put an advert out and let's see who, who applies, you know. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes perfect sense. That's, 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 so, that's so insightful. For, so thank you for that. Um, for, for any recruiters that might be listening out there, obviously you're a client. We, we all hear uh, well, countless times over the years we, we don't use recruiters. Mm. 99 times out of 100, it's not true and it's just a fab off, of course. But what I'd be keen to understand and maybe some of the listeners may be keen to understand, you know, in, in your role, at what point do you stop working yourself and decide, right, now is the time to distribute these roles to agencies? Yeah, so I think it's it's probably when you kind of ex- exhausted any of the kind of, you know, the, the ways that I've got uh, really internally yeah. or a talent acquisition team have got. Um, I think I'm quite lucky in, in the way of there's not mega, mega strict budgets. Obviously, we want to keep an eye on them. We want to make sure yeah, that... Course. You know, it's not kind of, you know, spiraling out of control necessarily, but we're going to get a really, really good balance. But, um, yeah, I think not having mega, mega strict budgets really, really helps that. Um, but, yeah, it's effectively, if, even if I've got, a sh- you know, a short list of direct applicants and stuff, if, if we don't feel like we've got the right level and calibre and a couple of standout candidates, yeah, we'd absolutely still go to, to agencies kind of yeah. following that process really and just manage their expectations around there might be a slight delay or whatever that may kind of look like really. So... Um, yeah, and for the notoriously hard to fill roles that we may have recruited for more often, where you kind of saturate your own channels and stuff like that, rely on obviously recruiters to to go out to their networks really and get some extra extra eyes on it effectively. Yeah, and that makes sense. I think I think the perception of of the in house recruiter from an agency agency perspective is actually that you guys are very very busy, and I think obviously sometimes we feel that that works to our advantage because it it won't be long until. You know, something else will crop up in 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 Mike's in Mike's day, which means he can't scour the job boards or or LinkedIn, etc. Now, how much of your day, or week, or month, or whatever would you say is actually you know still going back out to market? Yeah, and um, I suppose difficult to say the from a direct perspective, but um, you know, quite a lot of my time, I'd probably say, okay, you know, fifty sixty percent of my time has been focused on recruitment obviously he's trying to bring on 36 different people yeah it's not a you know uh, a one it's interview not, one not candidate kind of thing yeah exactly so obviously there's all the you know the, the people that you see that's kind of sit behind that really um you know i'd say you know pretty much every role i would go out kind of direct for and normally after about a week or two yeah we'd normally kind of um have a good understanding on obviously in the right people the likelihood of that going yeah in. exactly and then that's normally at the the point where we kind of start to obviously speak to people such as yourselves really to uh, as I say get get extra eyes on. All right, cool. No, very very interesting. I loved it. It is it is good to hear, you know, both both sides of the story, so to speak. And it, it sounds like to be fair, you know, un- unlike some, I guess, you've really enjoyed both sides. Yeah. Quite refreshing. Th- yeah, no, I think so. I think um the certain, I think the certain elements of kind of camaraderie from the recruitment side, agency side and stuff and kind of the vast majority of people are in the same role and, and you know, have the same, you know, problems and challenges and stuff like that. So you've kind of got that unification across the board. Uh, so I think that's definitely a part that yeah. you probably, you know, you don't necessarily get unless you're part of a, a massive function within a business of people who are doing the same stuff. Um, so I think that definitely kind of helps. But yeah, I think having that full life cycle and exposure to teams developing, improving, all that kind of stuff and seeing people progress through the business as well yeah. is a is a you know a, it's rewarding. a key factor. Yeah, definitely yeah. for sure. For sure. Okay, cool. Now that that's that's brilliant, Mike. Thanks very much. Okay, right. So uh, on to our on to our next segment then. Uh, again, I'll give you a little bit of a heads up on, on this, but we uh, ask our guests to give us they're five top tiers, like five, four, you know, that, that's, that sort of gig. Um, yeah. Now, with, with yourself, obviously, you, you, you do internal, Mike. So what would be your five top tips for 
anyone either you know looking to get into internal recruitment or any internal recruiters out there on how best to manage their day etc etc you know what would you what advice would you give to those in your position yeah how would you get the most out of your day hmm. i think and this is the bit that i haven't prepped for yeah. um <laughs> i don't know i think understanding the business and yep. what the business needs because i think everything that, that i do in my role has to meet with what the business is trying to achieve so yep. that kind of gives it purpose and, and meaning for whatever that kind of initiative or project or piece of work or you know piece of recruitment you know may may well be so i think that is a is a key one yeah um i think for for people getting into it don't join the the army and be a mechanic if you fancy being <laughs> if you fancy being a recruiter that's it's a very honest tip yeah <laughs> yeah speaking from experience yeah. that's probably my next tip yeah. um yeah and i don't know i think it's about once you've understood the business needs and and what you want really kind of working with the people around you and getting kind of buy into what you're trying to achieve because you yeah. do rely on other people you can't do it all on your own yeah so really kind of building up those relationships with key stakeholders that you're going to be working with you know get a you know a, a good relationship with the hiring managers that kind of stuff um and then i don't even know if that is a third one but we'll, we'll go on to the, the fourth one i think is about learning to prioritize really well which i kind of found difficult at the time yeah. when i first moved into it I think you've Makes got sense. lots of clarity when you're an agency because it's as soon as you you know you get a role or you win a new client, you kind of you know you, you make a, a huge effort. You, you know you tear up trees to uh, you know to, to try and impress and stuff like that. Whereas when there's so many different widespread initiatives, it's so hard to pick from one to the other because it's not just about recruitment; it's about so much else and yeah. and all the other things that are going on. So I think really getting good with trying to prioritise what is important or what can wait. Yeah. Because everyone and different stakeholders throughout the business, everyone wants everything now. If you ask them, you know, yeah. ASAP is the... Uh, is <laughs> Yesterday. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> is, is the, that's the, you know, the timescale that you're working to. It's either as soon as possible now or yesterday. Um, <laughs> nice and easy then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And so it's kind of, you know, that uh, managing expectations, yeah. but kind of prioritisation. Being, being really. realistic, I guess. Yeah, I think, you know, and I think people understand that, you know, you haven't, we're all human at the end of the day. We've only got so many hours in, in a day. Um, but yeah, I think trying to, I probably went into it trying to please everyone and kind of probably not being as kind of effective as I could initially yeah. and just saying yes to everything. And yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I think actually now pushing back and challenging in, in different areas or just saying, when do you need that by? Just such a simple thing. Again, yeah. you probably get the, the ASAP. Challenging the status or quo. Or today. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, I'm kind of, you know, surprised when they, you know what, actually we, we, we need it for this certain event or we need something, you know, there's some kind of time scale driving that. So understanding that so you can manage your own day, your own time, you know, effectively, I think is... Okay. Cool. And with the with the fifth top tip, I'm going to help you out more so yeah. because I'm I'm keen to know. So from an internal perspective, what tools can you not live without? What is an absolute essential? You know, when you've got a new role on, when you're looking to onboard quickly, etc. What what tools would would you be reliant upon? I guess to make sure you got the job done. <laughs> um. So I think LinkedIn is still. And I think it's kind of off trend now because it's getting a bit more Facebooky. But yeah. I think that's probably still the most successful tool from a direct perspective. For and sure. you have like recruiter, yeah, the recruiter license yeah. and that kind of stuff, and setting up projects and 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 kind of flags for people when they're open to work and stuff like that. So I think that's probably from a recruitment perspective is still kind of still the number one kind of tool that that, that kind of I use as well. Um, and then. Looking at the on the flip side, you know, making sure that we've got a, um, a HR kind of management platform um, that kind of automates a lot of stuff, and we don't have really, really kind of archaic manual processes, helps me out massively. To be fair, and I think that's a uh, that's a key thing with kind of speed of onboarding as, as well. So I think if we're looking at actual physical or software tools or wherever that may be. I'd say probably making sure that you've got a really slick, nice, automated people management system. Yeah. Um, and probably LinkedIn is will fade out, I would assume, 
anyway. It's showing um, no signs based on how much they charge. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, they, they do not negotiate with no, anyone. To be fair, absolutely I not. I negotiate one license. Pay, work out pay more or <laughs> even more. Exactly. <laughs> they are two options. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. I think they, you know, because they are the number one professional platform yeah. and all that kind of stuff as well. You know, I don't think you know unless you're absolutely massive, you know. That, that they kind of do negotiate with that, you know. I don't know whether that will change, you know. Uh, they've mentioned kind of layoffs and, and other bits and obviously they're kind of trimming the fat and stuff like that. So yeah. I don't know if that'll play a factor into it or if more people will start to, to, to come off it and go down other means, to be fair. We've trialled different kind of um, tech-specific, uh, you know, kind of communities and stuff like that. Yeah. Probably haven't really settled you on stuck one. Stuck out with slacks and that sort of stuff. Yeah, so we probably haven't nailed one really. So I think, yeah. as I say... Uh, LinkedIn is still justifying its um, not non-negotiation on the fee yeah. uh, <laughs> at the minute, really. So. And how about from a you know it's it's from a job board perspective, is, is are the job boards a dying art when it comes to internal recruitment, or <laughs> did you get a lot of adverts and not lo- so not loads? To be fair, I think um, it's probably better on the kind of HQ side and maybe uh, some of the kind of less technical roles. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, software engineers, you know, people who've got kind of technical disciplines and stuff like that, because they are in such high demand at the minute, they're getting peppered that much that they could probably just go back into the last three or four messages from yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rather than take the time to do the CV and put it on a job board and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, I think the the job boards is probably going to have to do something about that. But, you know, I'm, I'm assuming for, you know, volume roles and, you know, those kind of things it might still really work well for, but it's just not the market <coughs> that I operate in. So yeah. I think there is still value in them, but probably not as much. Really. I think the realism is that most half decent techies these days tend to go to LinkedIn, don't they? Yeah. That's just that's just the reality. Okay. Thank you, Mike, for your five top tips. Big nimble. Right, okay, so moving on to the um or well, my final segment before we go into your final segment. Mr. Cullen. Uh, okay, so the, in this segment, the director's diaries, we like to, well, just, just, I like to share some of my own thoughts, I guess, I guess ultimately. Now, we've cancelled this particular pod about 87 times. One, because Leah was skiving ill. Um, one, because Danny, who lets us rent the podcast room, is never available you know, at the butchers or, where, <laughs> or wherever he might be. Um, but we managed to get it on, on for today at, at, at short notice. But on my last pod, or the last pod in, in this particular segment, I was very soon to become a parent, father. I actually turned out to have the baby about three days later. And I did reach out to, to our listeners and ask for their advice on how to best prepare for... Life as a parent and a recruiter, how to balance that time, how to still perform at the same sort of levels, but still getting home and making sure you spend time with your children and your your, your missus or your partner or your other half or, or whatever. Um, so today I'm just going to, I'm just going to share some of that advice, some from uh, recruiters at Searchability, some from clients, some who prefer to stay anonymous. So just bear with me. I'm going to read out some of that advice for any well, either current parents or, or future parents. So I'm going to start with Hoppers, Chris Hopley. Um, by chance, he actually uh, had a little boy called Joshua at a very similar time to to Gab's giving birth to Sienna, and he's provided the following. Uh, you need to maximise the day, as making the late calls aren't fun with a crying baby on the other hand. Always have a backup outfit for any mishaps. Make sure you've got the LinkedIn recruiter app very relevant on, on your mobile, which makes multitasking and winding and sourcing a lot easier. It really is multitasking. You're winning there if you can do that. I, I, like, I like this one. And I've got a bit of a, a, a story myself here to be told. So he says, having a newborn is a great icebreaker as a lot of clients feel your pain. Now, straight talk, going on to good and bad and awkward, I, I do vividly remember trying to get into with a particular client six or seven years ago. And I don't know why I did it. I, I had to lie for two or three years, right? I just remember the kind of how was your weekend? And my client at the time said something along the lines of, oh, nightmare. Now, the kids were causing havoc. And for some reason, yeah, I same. said, me too. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I, to this day, I still do not know why I said it. You know, you talk, and I know, a bit bit old school, but you talk to mirror conversations and find a relatable subject, yeah. particularly when you're trying to get in somewhere. And yeah, for about two and a half years, I had to pretend I had a child who, who quite simply didn't exist. <laughs> Full disclosure, by the way. Yeah. Recruiters get a bad rep, and that yeah. probably won't help. Yeah. But actually, Ollie's one of the nicest blokes in recruitment, to be fair. So I'm actually genuinely quite shocked because that's yeah, I'm, with you. I know, I'm still you, sorry. You're probably, just, I'm, you're probably just being a people but, pleaser. But, but now I am a parent. So, yeah. you know, it's. it's oh, there we go. What, so what comes around goes around, yeah. I guess. No, no, it's honestly brilliant. Um, okay, Hoppers also says take take home. It's very thoughtful, actually. You know, you know, Chris, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Take home three or four topics from the day to discuss with your partner. They actually want to hear about the world, world outside. Wow, he's Googled that, hasn't he? <laughs> he has. He's definitely he's Googled not, that. He's not doing that. I'm not, not having it. I'm not having it. No, no. And now this one, I, I apologise because this is a, is a first world problem. Hire a cleaner. Wow. Means you don't spend all your weekends cleaning. Somebody is doing well. Someone's doing well. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. There's a cost of living crisis going on here. I know, metal. <laughs> no, no, cheers, Chris. That was really helpful. Uh, he, he will be listening. Uh, Hendo, Dave Henderson, his, his kids are a little bit older. Dave looks after the um, the contract support division at, at Searchability. Um, his, his kids are five and, and seven. And I mean, he's wrote an essay, I'm not going to lie. You ask Dave to help you out with something and it, 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 go, it goes on forever. So I'm going to try and, and shorten his version down. But as a quick overview, Dave said, one of the pluses of recruitment against other careers is the more you put in, the more you get out. Thanks, Dave. The negative is that when you have children, the same applies and they're more important. So how would you balance that? I reckon my first boss would have sat me for saying that, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, Dave talks about coffee, obviously coffee. Coffee is the number one tool in his recruitment arsenal. Um, it's not great for you, but neither is smoking and drinking and loads of people do that. Fair. Yeah. Uh, his tip to the novices out there is don't drink strong coffee. Have loads of medium strength ones, but all day. It's well, a like marathon. an IV, like a, yeah. about a drip. And, and he quotes, it's a marathon, not a, span, not a sprint in relation to coffee. Wow, impressive. <laughs> he also talks about maximising your weekends, saying no, um, which is something that I think Dave struggles with, uh, but, you know, making sure you find the time to balance yeah. work oh, and your sense. kids at the weekend. And he said, ultimately, you can manage both things. Although they will clash at times, you don't have to choose one or the other. Make sure you utilise your time on both sides. If you build in, in, if you build a career in recruitment, you can provide a good future for your children. But at the same time, they need you more than the money. Yeah, I like it. Philosopher. Mm-hmm. Um, P.S. Once they start walking, it's game over for your spare time. Cheers, Dave. I look forward to that. And P.P.S. Once they are toddlers, you get it in the private bits. Loads. Minimum one to two times a day. Which sounds rubbish. It does sound rubbish. Yeah. Sounds rubbish. Uh, Anthony Burley I'll, I'll just run through these quickly Anthony Burley is a client of ours he, uh, he's the head of recruitment at Ripjaw uh, he says you need an employer who gives you flexibility to balance work life and home life which is absolutely true you need to work when the baby sleeps and have a supportive partner you also need to commit and you also need a committed team who you can rely on and delegate tasks to in the early days of fatherhood so choose your team wisely Very thought yeah. I thought a lot of these would be um, kind of taking the piss a little bit. But well, yeah, I think mean, there's a couple in there. Yeah. There is one person, the, the final one, who who I do know, but he's insisted he remains anonymous, who says, just don't have one. They're well annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. What thoughtful Not- and kind advice. But you know what? No, all, all jokes aside, a lot of that advice has been very helpful. You know, like I said before, I have had it easy, but of course it, it certainly has its has its testing moments and it, it does take some adaptation. So, you know, ultimately to try, try and find time for both. I think, I think, I think it's that straightforward. I've absolutely loved the last 12 to 13 weeks and, you know, going home and spending time with Sienna has, has been great. I, I'm very fortunate that I only live a 10 minute walk away from my house, which means I can go at lunchtime. I know a lot of parents don't have that same luxury, uh, but that's, that's been huge advantageous. So, Move closer to work. Is that is that good advice? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Okay, cool. Right, let's um, let's. Oh, thank, thanks for everyone that also provided those uh, those insightful comments about parenthood. Really appreciated. Go on, Mike. I was just going to say. So when I seen the director's diaries thing, I thought it'd be a really good insight to to get to know you a little bit more. So I've kind of I've come with some quick quiet questions, and the 
Uh, we used to do well. We, we have done this Shit. with sales <laughs> roles, and for yeah, for the for the listeners, Ollie has got no idea. What oh, this we is are. genuinely not prepared uh, for. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, terrified. Yeah, so we used to do these, uh, and we have done these with kind of sales roles. Really, we've changed the questions to make them a bit more relevant and stuff. Okay, but actually, it was just quick fire. First thing that kind of comes to your head with it, um, and just to find out a bit more about you, really. So I've got to say something about thinking ultimately. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, so you know, on on, on friends when it's the kind of the, Chloe, you've got the editor already, right? <laughs> yeah. And this is um, something that I then they integrate themselves, is it? Or so it's something that we have done for sales roles, and it's yeah. basically just to really kind of as a bit of an icebreaker, especially mm. for the kind of sales roles, just to find out a bit more about people. It's not something that we do for tech roles, just for full disclosure. Okay, cool. Um, but Let's it's it. yeah, it's just something that's a bit of light heart of fun, and I have changed the questions anyway, just to uh, okay make them more make them more <laughs> relevant, if you like. Anyway, so. Um, but yeah, so just to kick us off then, so first kind of thing that comes to your head. Favourite drink? Diet Coke. Favourite holiday destination? Barbados. Favourite film? Shawshank Redemption. Morning or evening? Evening. Any regrets? Loads. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you most admire? Who do I most admire? Oh, it's changed a lot very recently. And until two weeks ago, I'd have said Cristiano Ronaldo, but now I think he's a knob. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, best or favourite quote? Well, this is embarrassing, but I do have a tattoo, which is pathetic. But of course, it's the one that sticks to my mind because it's painted on my body. I no longer appreciate the quote, but it says, every passing minute is another chance to turn it all around. <laughs> Wow. Which is very, I, I got it when I was finding myself in Thailand <laughs> at about 21. Well, that's fine. Then you've got some elephant pants on. Yeah, Why not? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's off vanilla sky, embarrassingly. <laughs> but you know what? As, as, as a young man, I yeah. did always like that quote. So, yeah. Every well, when you said minute. that and then you said the word pathetic, I just yeah. thought you had pathetic tattooed <laughs> on your back. <laughs> no, it, it's not quite that pathetic, but yeah. not far off. No, yeah, not yeah. a million miles away. Anyway, biggest misconception about you? That I'm short. <laughs> it is right this is true that I'm 5'9 and a bit right 5'10 with these platform trainers on yeah. and if you actually google it that is literally average height for the for a male in the UK <laughs> yeah. I think you've googled that far too often <laughs> um, and best book recommendation best book uh, <laughs> I'm not a massive reader um, I do like my autobiographies though uh, I'm a big football fan as well. I particularly like Zlatan Ibrahimovic's. Uh, I've recently read Jimmy Carr's, which which is is absolutely brilliant. It's not just about you know being a comedian. There's a lot of life lessons in there as well. Um, but yeah, I'd say you know some of my my heroes, you know, Roy Keane, David Beckham. I'm I'm not a I'm not going to pretend to be a. I don't know. Yeah, you read the Hobbit. I have. You know what? I I've watched the Hobbit. I mean, I used to, I used to joke that um, you know, what's what's the point in reading the book if it's any good? I'll just make a film of it anyway. Uh, but I think you know, have, having got a little bit <laughs> a little bit more wise in in my old age, that that that, that definitely isn't true. <laughs> I do find some books quite inspiring, but you you put me on the spot. So I'm going to yeah. go with with Zlatan Ibrahimovic's autobiography. Awesome. That is it. That is your cool ten quick fire questions. I enjoyed it. I think. Or we'll listen back to it and I'll get close to it out anything that's no good. Uh, okay, right. So, uh, oh, back over to you, Michael. So, final segment of the pod. Yeah. Uh, we, we call it the, the wrap-up record, where, well, we ask you to do it exactly that. So, you choose a, a song that may, I don't know, define a moment of your life. It may be relevant to you because of your organisation. Uh, I don't know, it could be for for a million different reasons. I know I asked you to, to go and think about this, and at, at last count, you had about 47 options. So, uh, yeah, over to you. What have you decided to go for to sign us out? Yeah, could have been anything from gangster rap to acoustic, but I've gone with the automotive <laughs> theme. I've okay, Tracy, nice. Tracy Chapman, Fast Car. Oh, absolute belter to hear us out. Okay, well, with that, here is Tracy Chapman. Fast car. Thanks for listening. You get a fast car. I want a ticket to anywhere. Maybe we make a deal. 
Maybe together we can get somewhere Any place is better Starting from zero, got nothing to lose Maybe we'll make something Me, myself, I got nothing to prove Decision. Leave tonight or live and die this way. 